Welcome everyone to the One More Game Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeremy Culver, aka Darcy, and with me is the California Thirst Quencher, Pete Leja. Pete, how you doing, man? Celebrating. We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. We're celebrating both of our NFL teams' victorious games that they played on Sun. I, I, all right, my team's victorious <laughs> game that they played on Sunday. Uh, they, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Atlanta Falcons in a tussle of the dregs of the NFL. Although I guess the Atlanta Falcons were like leading their division for a little bit there, but the, the Steelers are definitely the, the dregs of the NFL. So, you know, uh, a little bit of a new scenario, uh, being a Steelers fan, but, uh, you know, uh, you gotta, you gotta start from zero to get back, uh, build back up, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a win for me, too, because the Bears continue to have a good draft pick that they could potentially trade to get some more draft assets if they decide to do that. Um, so but, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't expect a whole lot. I uh, I spent all my day uh, building a dresser, which still isn't finished, uh, but it's pretty close. I just have a little Congrats. bit left to do and then I have to put the drawers together. But yeah, so I will officially finally have a dresser <laughs> because I didn't have a dresser. And so like right now, my clothes uh, are like some of my clothes that are, aren't normally hung up are just sitting like in a shelf up there and in a shelf in a different room, too. So like I'm I'm ready to have my dresser so I can put those actually in something and uh, use the storage space for storage and not for my clothing. But Pete. Oh, that's- nice to have yeah how has how has things been going for you with uh you know we had thanksgiving it's been an extended time away in a sense from the podcast because we recorded on a wednesday and now we are more than a week away uh away from that previous recording so how has things been going for you uh going okay uh kind of just uh working and stuff our schedules didn't really line up until uh literally today um to be able to record yeah our podcast or the podcast so uh, you know, uh, just kind of working. Uh, Thanksgiving was fine. Went over to a buddy's house, watched some football, had some good company, had some good food. Uh, my the pie that I bought went over really well with the ice cream. It was an uh, called like like, gra- like grandma's classic apple pie. I bought this from a place called the Republic of Pl- Pie. It was really delicious. It was really nice too because the pie, the apple pie was tart. You know how sometimes you get a pie and it's kind of really sweet, like mm-hmm. almost too sweet. Um, but the apple, uh, the apple pie was actually tart, which was really well with the ice cream and the vanilla ice cream that I brought too. So uh, things worked out very much on the positive side of that. And the rest of the food was also delicious, as it tends to be during Thanksgiving, where we gorge ourselves as a uh, as uh, people in the America, uh, the United States of America, on uh, Thanksgiving and a lot of the time the rest of the year, but definitely on Thanksgiving, with uh, you know good company, good food, and good football. Well, I'm glad that that it was good for you. It was good for myself as well, eating my wife's uh, food. Obviously, I wasn't feeling very good uh, when we did our last recording, and I wasn't feeling good for a little while. I think I finally started feeling better on Saturday, but we got through it, and of course, we are here now to record this next episode of the One More Game Podcast. So everyone, welcome to the One More Game Podcast. This is a podcast that is centered around making sure you're informed about all the video game news happening around the world, whether it's Nintendo, Xbox, PlayStation or PC. If there's news that you need to know about, we'll make sure that you know about it. When you're listening to this on your podcast service, make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button depending on what your service offers. And if your podcast service allows reviews, please leave a five-star review and tell everyone why you love the One More Game podcast because we really enjoy bringing this to you each and every week. If you'd like to be part of the show by asking a question or suggesting a topic for discussion, head on over to pressstartnews.net slash one more game and fill out that submission form and your submission could be used on the next episode or you could drop it off here in the chat when we're recording it live over on youtube.com slash press start 28 and we will reference it as it comes up throughout the show so again we're recording it live so if you're over in the live chat make sure you drop some things in there and we'll be bringing that up as we get through this all but If this is your first time to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. I hope you enjoy your listen and I hope you enjoy your stay. But if you are returning, you already know what it is. We start off every single podcast talking about what we've been playing lately. So, Pete, what have you been playing lately? I got uh, a few games. Uh, One is a series. I'll start there. Uh, uh, I've been playing the Batman Arkham series. I talked about playing Arkham Asylum. Uh, My social, a couple of my social media feeds, I've mentioned that I beat Arkham City. 
Um, and I have started playing Arkham Knight a little bit. And uh, I'm going to be honest, they're fun games. Uh, but they have progressively felt less Batman-y and more like other games, kind of. Especially Arkham Knight so far. I admit I've only played a couple hours, uh, so I haven't gotten too far into it. But uh, Arkham Knight definitely feels... Uh, I, I compared... I, I called it Metal, Metal Gear Halo. <laughs> um, because uh, the story so far kind of feels like the introduction, the token introduction to Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 2, um, Sons of Liberty, uh, where like you have all like the superpower mystical like uh, freaks, as uh, if you want to be uh, untechnical in the term, uh, for your uh, kind of like your rogue your rogue gallery that you're facing in Arkham Knight. So. I guess it's always like that, but uh, it it felt less Batman-y, and it definitely looked like they were going for a similar vibe as like some of the newer uh, uh, DC movies have had. Uh, uh, so because of that, um, I've been I've been enjoying so I've been enjoying the experience. The game's been fun, but because I'm trying um trying to like get in a feel for Batman, it feels less like Batman. It feels like a more like uh master chief uh crossed over with uh, solid snake and it's been kind of weird um in that regard but uh the and the storyline for our so i enjoyed arkham city as well but the storyline felt really convoluted and it kind of felt like there was a too much going on um so i i definitely think arkham asylum is the the best of the series the trilogy uh so far uh granted like i said i haven't gotten through much of arkham knight uh, but I've heard a lot of positive things about it, but I think like I'm trying to imagine, I imagine it more of like uh Batman, the animated series and justice league, uh, justice league unlimited Batman, uh, especially because of Kenry Conroy, the voice actor and Mark Hamill as Joker. Um, and it definitely feels more something that I'm, uh, not used to, I guess I should say, but I'm still enjoying it. So I'm still going to try a little bit more of Arkham Knight, but, uh, to get on to the, the main one, the main game I wanted to talk about and a little bit because I kind of think you might want to talk about it too. I know you've been playing it. Pokemon uh, Scarlet. Uh, I got my hands on a copy of that. And uh, uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's uh, It's been nice dipping dipping my toes back into the world of Pokemon. And it's been... Uh, it's really hard to top the original because, you know, you can only be, have one first. There can only be one blueprint. Um, but uh, I gotta be... I gotta say, the my favorite Pokemon game of all time is Pokemon Snap because it felt like you were actually in a world of Pokemon as opposed to being like an RPG that was centered in a world of Pokemon, if that makes sense. Like you were actually part like the world was actually built uh, with Pokemon in mind is what it kind of felt like. And this feels very, very similar to Pokemon snap. And I am enjoying the hell out of just running around and seeing all the little Pokemon just like kind of crawl around and stuff like that. And like on the field and uh, things like that. And it's really enjoyable. And I gotta, I gotta say it. Like I'm really, really having a lot of fun. I think I started like literally after they came up with a new update that we're gonna, we're gonna might dabble a little bit in in the show discussion. Um, so like I haven't really seen too many of the 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 glitches. I did see like a couple of them. Like my guy would be like skidding along the ground without moving his legs. It's kind of like you know, I was like, "Woo, I'm on roller skates or something <laughs> like that." Um, so, but I haven't really gotten a lot of that because I think I started playing mostly after the, uh, the, uh, update, uh, that came out, the 1.10, uh, uh, 1.1.0 update, I think it is. So, but, uh, it, all in all, it's been a blast. It's easy to see why, even though the game had issues and performance issues and had glitches, uh, that a lot of people enjoyed it, it's easy to see why it sold 10 million copies in 72 hours. That it is a blast of a game. Yeah, and we're going to, of course, talk about that up here in the podcast about that sales and the performance issues. Uh, I haven't, I admittedly have not played it a a ton. Like, I played it a little bit. Uh, I just last night finally decided to, like, go to the school that, like, basically is, like, part of the intro of the game. I just had ran around and was, like, catching a bunch of Pokemon and then, like, you know, had time away from it. So, like, I haven't played it too much. I didn't have too many performance issues, but, of course, I did see, you know, the the jitteriness that uh, the the background animations really have. Uh, You know, everyone else is, like, walking in, like, you know, 15 frames per second while, like, you're moving in, like, 30 or 60, whatever the, the 
the main frames per second is but like you definitely tell everyone else is in that slower uh frames per second aspect but yeah i didn't have too many issues um just that and a you know every now and then when i catch a pokemon and it like or i do a battle and you know it has like the victory screen it it like goes through the ground and so like part of it is like you can see the the actual world at the top of the screen and then like there's like you could definitely tell at the bottom of the screen that is where the the game did not want you to see <laughs> you know that thing but um but other than that I agree with you I mean it's it's a it's a blast it's doing exactly what you want when it comes to a Pokemon game which is feels like Pokemon plays like Pokemon allows you to go catch these various Pokemon and have fun in the battles and that's kind of what it, it does you know, it's prime in, uh, you know, it's bread and butter. And I wonder how the story itself will actually shape out because I know that a lot of people online have said, like, this is one of the best stories for Pokemon. And if, it, you know, they kind of say, like, obviously it's a shame that the performance has drawn, you know, kind of the attention away from that aspect. So I wonder, like, how that'll connect with me because I did love this story of Pokemon X and Y, uh, which is what the game that got me back into Pokemon. And so I wonder how it will connect in that aspect to, to that. Um, other than that, I've played Lost Eidolons some more, of course, uh, which you guys can check out as I record that or play that over here on my various streams uh, on YouTube and over on Twitch because I still haven't decided exactly where I want to do my streams, but we are going to be doing that kind of going forward. Uh, we do have like a stream schedule planned out. It's just more so I haven't announced it because I'm trying to figure out where do I want to stream uh, going forward, but that is, of course, something uh, that you can come check out. Still enjoying the game, still having a blast with it, and the big update for that one comes out here in december i think uh mid-month with the new game plus and the revamping of the story that i've made or storytelling i should say uh that i've made mention of in the past um, but the last thing is on one of the games that i picked up on black friday i picked up a valkyria revolution for six dollars on ps5 or technically ps4 but i'm playing it on my ps5 uh this is not like the normal Valkyria Chronicles games, which is more of a uh, strategy uh, RPG. Uh, totally recommend playing Valkyria Chronicles. It is a great game. Valkyria Revolution essentially is a prequel to those games. However, it flips the script, and instead of being the strategy game, it's kind of like an action rpg now there is technically you know more like a an atb gauge so to speak where it's like you know you have to wait to do uh for it to tell you like hey you can do a command now and then you do a command and it'll like attack and do what it you know it needs to do and then you gotta wait again for it to do it like you're not you can't just you know mash attack 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 and like that creates a combo but it is in an action rpg aspect where you can roam around the map everyone else is moving at the same time you can dodge attacks you can block attacks and then like you know do your action so i played that for a little bit i'm enjoying it the game was not received very well when it came out uh but some youtubers that i follow have made mention that the game is actually really good and the story is really good uh and the opening hour I can see it. Like the the combat is is nice. The presentation isn't the greatest, but it's already starting out more mature in a story uh, aspect that I would say. And so I could see this, of course, it being a game about war in a sense. That matureness lending to a good story overall because of course war is not you know sunshines and rainbows type of thing so uh i look forward to playing that a little bit more as it goes forward but um i don't know how much i'll play of it right now because i still need to finish lost idolins and obviously i want to play pokemon scarlet but i had 30 45 minutes to spare and i was like i'm gonna play this game real quick and see see what i'm thinking of it so uh that's the the main things um before I move on, Pete, is there anything you else you want to say? Uh, kombucha is great. I've been drinking a lot of it. There you go. <laughs> uh, the last thing uh, I want to also say before we move on is uh, KG Disc Golf, which ends up, is one of my friends, uh, said 
So I just found out recently that Abraham Lincoln started Thanksgiving during Civil War things because he wanted everyone to have a day to be together as one, etc. I don't know if that's true, but that sounds interesting if it is. Kyle could be trying to pull our chain here, so uh, we'll have to look that up later on. But I just wanted to pass that along in the chat because we are talking about video games now. Let's quit talking about Thanksgiving and what we've been playing lately. Let's get to our gaming catalog because we have quite the list to get to. We have the Smash World Tour shutting down. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet selling a ton, but Nintendo apologizing about performance, and Microsoft says they're ready to fight it out in court if it needs to. We're going here for our first article, though, and that is, again, talking about the Smash World Tour shutdown. We're going to IGN for this article written by Matt Kim, and it says Nintendo issues full statement over Smash World Tour cancellation. So I'm going to quickly read this and try to give some background because this is quite the uh in-depth story and this is only one part of that you know aspect but uh here we go days after news that smash world tour would be canceling its final 2022 championship and 2023 tour nintendo has offered a lengthy statement over the decision to not offer swt a license to host smash bros events in a statement to ign nintendo said that it that its decision was solely based on our assessment of the proposals submitted by the SWT and our evaluation of their unlicensed activities. Nintendo added that any partner that we grant a license to has to meet the high standards we require when it comes to health and safety of our fans. It's also important that a partner adheres to brand and IP guidelines and conducts itself according to professionals' organizational best practices, Nintendo writes. We use this same approach to independently assess all partners. If we discover that a partner is doing something inappropriate we will work to correct it earlier this week organizers of the smash world tour one of the largest third-party super smash bros fighting game tournaments announced that it would cancel its final event of the year as well as its 2023 events after nintendo declined to issue them a license to carry on smash bros fighting tour tournament events the organizers of swt published a lengthy medium post regretting the events claiming that without any warning it was told it could no longer operate organizers also revealed that it was in negotiations with the Nintendo to receive a license to operate Smash Bros. tournaments and that Nintendo even noted how SWT did not infringe on their IP. However, this point is seemingly disputed by Nintendo's statements, which implies any partner must adhere to brand and IP guidelines sent by the company. Nintendo also reiterated that it verbally let the organizers of SWT know that it was not asking to cancel the 2022 finals because of the impact it would have on players and saying that the decision to cancel the SWT 2022 was and still is their own choice speaking as the organizers in this event but of course the organizers say that it will offer full refunds attendee uh, of the attendees of its now canceled 2022 event and they of course point fingers back at nintendo about this so here's the last part i'm going to read before i pass it over to you pete and it goes uh the swt organizers also accused one of nintendo's smash bros partners panda global the organizers of the panda cup smash bros tournament of sabotaging claiming that its founder alan bunny was telling potential organizers that SWT would be getting shut down, thereby making any potential SWT partners have second thoughts of joining them with the Smash World Tour. Nintendo says its decision was not influenced by any external parties such as Panda Global and that the company is, quote, open to partnering with other organizations and will continue to offer licenses for major tournaments outside of the Panda Cup. While Panda Global will remain a partner with Nintendo on Smash Bros, the company says that it, quote, looks forward to receiving proposals from other groups for tournament licenses now pete there has been a lot going on with this i know of course i sent you this article and i don't know how much you've been seeing this or how in depth you got when you uh, were reading in this article but what is your reaction to the drama that has kind of been spawning from this shutdown of the smash world tour uh so all the stuff that i've read um i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna put this as a caveat i I don't play Super Smash Brothers. I know several people that do play Super Smash Brothers casually, and I don't know one person who plays competitively. I'm not certain what uh, circuits they uh, they compete on. Uh, I think it's mostly just local tournaments they go to. Uh, they do pretty well from what I've uh, gathered. Um, so I've seen a little bit on Discord. Uh, uh, only saw a little bit on some, a couple of the Discords I've been on before you sent the article to me. Um, and then I read the article, then I read, uh, 
SWT uh, Smash World Tour's uh, original statement. Then I read uh, their response to Nintendo's first statement. Then I read the response to Nintendo's official statement. And then I read uh, Panda Global's thing. So, uh, what a mess was my uh, was my uh, reaction. Uh, okay, first off, if Nintendo wants uh, a primary and solitary group to run their Smash tournaments, that's their prerogative. That's fine. I don't know why they were stringing along uh, SWT, Smash World Tour. I'm going to call it SWT from now on. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know why they were stringing them along because uh, SWT pro- uh, announced their proposal for their, their stuff. They put it forward, Nintendo, according to them, in April. Uh, as April 9th, I believe, of this year uh, for their 2022 season, which I don't even know if it was the full season or just the championships like in December that were, I think, happening like uh, either next week or like early the week after. Um, and uh, yeah, so... Uh, first off, there's, uh, there's a lot to, to unpack with this. Um, so I'm going to be as efficient as I possibly can. First off, a Nintendo's, uh, official statement is mostly just uh, business jargon. They mentioned that, uh, they, they hint at that, uh, any partner that we grant a license to has to meet the high standards that we require when it comes to the health and safety of our fans. Uh, don't mention any health and safety violations that SWT may have been causing. I actually tried to like ask some people that was like, is there, were they like not going through COVID regulations? Were they not doing anything like that? Uh, what, what was going on with there? As far as I can see, none of that was really a thing. Uh, so then they follow up by saying, which is probably the more meat and potatoes of it, it's also important that the partner adheres to brand and IP guidelines and conducts itself according to professional and organizational best practices. So basically, they don't want them tampering, uh, putting mods into the game, stuff like that. It's one of the things that's super popular about, uh, uh, super popular with Nintendo. They are very, very adamant about you not tampering with them games. It's part of the reason why they have different cartridges and stuff like that. And it's part of the reason why they have GameCube has like, uh, had like the small discs. Uh, looks like you wanted to make a comment. Uh, yeah. So obviously, uh, for full disclosure, I worked in event production, um, mm-hmm. helping with smash tournaments, uh, you know, in a previous role so like you know i kind of know some of these things that go on at the tournaments and what i can guess and i don't know for a fact because of course i don't uh i don't know anyone at swt and obviously haven't asked them but what is very common because nintendo is not has not been for a very long time very supportive of the professional scene is that it's what's common is a lot of these organizers end up putting a mod into the systems to help like help with running the tournaments like improving performance things of that nature not to break the game or anything of that nature but it's to it's to help the event and nintendo does not like that so i have a i have an inkling that what could have been part of that case that you know and they're not calling them out in the statement is that swt may have been asking to utilize one of these mods as part of their event and that may have been a sticking point don't know for a fact but well according to swt's official statement nintendo was commending them for not like modding their stuff so i, I, I know that might have been part of the, <laughs> that might have been part of the proposal that they were they were handing over i don't know but the, according to swt's statement very, whether you're going to take about their word or not, uh, they seem like they were not really modding this stuff uh, at all. Uh, a, a weird wrinkle to this is uh, Panda Global, uh, specifically CEO Dr. Alan Bunny. Uh, Buny, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, it's B-U-N-N-E-Y. Uh, it's apparently going around uh, trying to get... Uh, sp- uh, exclusive streaming licenses and broadcasting licenses from uh, some of these other, uh, some of the more popular esports uh, broadcasting companies, and also was um, uh, spreading around information that uh, SWT was not going to get uh, actually get uh, allowed to have their Smash World Tour events uh, going on because basically what was going what was going on is uh, Smash World Tour runs events, but they have to like have sponsors and organizers like locally to help them out and do the stuff because there's only so much you can do by yourself. You have to, you know, kind of coincide with other people. You probably know this better than I do. A lot of that stuff that goes into that. Um, but uh, uh, 
Panda Global's CEO was going around basically while tr tr trying to get uh, independent organizers to side with them and only Panda Global and not work with SWT, even though Nintendo was uh, apparently in these meetings with SWT, making it sound like that they were, um, according to SWT, Nintendo was making it sound like they wanted both Panda Global and SWT to kind of coexist together, not as like uh, competitors with each other. But uh, Panda Global was apparently going around uh, specifically with their CEO, like telling these independent organizers that they're like, hey, you know, SWT is not going to be around. You got to hit your wagon up with us because you hit your wagon up with them. It's going to look bad with Nintendo. They might not even, they're not even going to be around. And apparently, like, this is supposed to be like insider information that he's given them to force them to sign with them. And some of them went, a lot of them didn't. Um, and so there's a lot of like weird wrinkles going on in that, which is interesting because with Panda's statement, they uh, say, uh, uh, they say, like, yeah, uh, I don't know why you're accusing us of this stuff, but also in the same statement, admit that, yeah, Alan Bunny was doing some stuff we don't necessarily agree with. And we're sorry about that, but we don't know why you're accusing us. <laughs> it's like, look, I can understand the company as a whole maybe didn't do anything wrong, but when your CEO, one of your reigning, like, officers is doing this kind of stuff, yeah, it's going to be on you to rein that in. Um, SWT was apparently mentioning that they were informing Nintendo through these uh, meetings that they were having, like raising concerns like, hey, we have these you know, organizers and sponsors coming to us saying, we're not having this thing. You're making it seem like we're going to have this thing. What the deal is, yo? And uh, they kept, basically their Nintendo's repeated statement was uh, Bunny's acting on his own. He's not uh, representing Nintendo's opinion. You know, we still like you both to work together. And then basically what happened was right before uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, uh, while we were recording our episode, actually, uh, they didn't announce it until a few days later. I think it was uh, after it was after the Thanksgiving holiday. I think but it was Monday. The, Monday. It or might Tuesday. have been Monday. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, SWT, uh, Nintendo informed SWT that they were not going to give them the um, uh, uh, the uh, the rights to actually like show their game, uh, basically allow them to play the game like with Nintendo's blessing, essentially, which. <laughs> The the statement that they gave, they say, uh, let me bring it back up. So I want because I want to get this word for word. When we notified the SWT, we would not license their 2022 or 2023 activities. We also let them know verbally that we were not requiring they cancel the 2022 finals because of the impact it would have on players. So um, the problem with that statement, they might have said that verbally in SWT's original statement. They said in writing they were not getting a license to uh actually have actually use super smash brothers for the 2022 worlds or uh, for the 2022 uh, championships or 2023 so yes maybe verbally they said that to swt that the we're not uh, you don't have to cancel your stuff but if you don't have a license to run their thing they'll just go and they could just go and sue you for using the thing that they tell you not to do so even if they're like even if they didn't actually tell them to, they're basically like, hey, we're not going to say you're going to cancel your thing, but if you don't cancel your thing, go through with it anyway, we're going to sue the crap out of you. <laughs> it's well, like, we have the right to sue you. Like, that's what they're kind of yeah, saying. Yeah, we have like, the right to sue you. Like, and it's like... You could take the chance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go, uh, do, what we do what you got. So one final wrinkle, I'm going to add this uh, before I pass it off to you. Uh, the Smash community is understandably uh, not pleased with what's going on on Nintendo... As you mentioned, Nintendo's not been very good with the Smash competitive scene altogether from the get-go, even though it's a very popular game. you would oh, I've said this before. You As much good as Nintendo does for whatever reason, and I've never figured this out, they have never really cared or bothered to care about online gaming. When they have games like Pokemon, when they have games like Super Smash Bros., that if you could just dominate that, you would have a massive massive competitive scene and popular those games are already popular and they would just get only more popular so i don't know why you don't want to partake in that it seems like a really easy slam dunk lay easy layup whatever terminology you want to use but i do that but anyway going going the smash community is very upset and po and uh according to a kotaku article uh talking about uh, basically going through the um the the drama quote unquote and backstreet background it says um, folks across the community, including other tournament organizers such as AITX Esports and Beyond the Summit, which was probably the biggest name that was brought up in uh, uh, SWT's uh, original statement, 
Beyond the Summit was the one that basically came forward and presumably let SWT put in their original statement that they could use their name specifically. That uh, Beyond the Summit is one of the biggest uh, esports broadcasting companies. Uh, Panda Global was basically threatening them to like, look, you have to sign with us. They're not even going to be here. There's no going to be no Smash tournament unless it's Panda Global. If you want a Panda Global, if you want a Smash tournament, you've got to sign with Panda Global. Like apparently that's what uh, things like that was what Alan Bunny was doing. But AITX Esports and Beyond the Summit are boycotting both Nintendo and Panda Global, and uh, pop, uh, uh, competitive players uh, uh, Fizzy uh, Yas Lafier. Uh, I believe is the name. Uh, Fizzy's is a screen name, and uh, Shepard Lima, uh, co- uh, screen name Fiction, have told Kotaku over Twitter messages they want to pe- attend any Panda Global events going forward. So it's a real, me- uh, like I said in the beginning, it's a real mess. And uh, basically, it looks like uh, Nintendo and possibly Panda Global were strong arming their way to uh, uh, keeping it as uh, just a singular entity running their tournaments, which if that's what you wanted to do, fine, but there are better ways to go about it than this. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, just to to back up what you said about, you know, how popular Smash Bros. is in the competitive fighting game scene, uh, Smash Bros. continues to have one of the highest registration numbers whenever they're at some of the major fighting game tournaments. You know, uh, I don't remember exactly what it was in the year 2019 when I was doing this uh, this job, but I remember at one of the events, like, Smash Bros. Ultimate was by and large the highest uh registration you know hands down and and it's because of course smash bros technically is a very approachable game like yes at the highest level it can be very hard and very difficult and of course like that's why it's the highest level but just to get as an entry point that it's so easy for people to jump in and start to work to be more competitive at it and i i agree with you you know nintendo's continued like negligence to its pro scene has just always been mind-boggling and this is another situation where it's like beforehand it looked like okay nintendo is taking finally that step forward to to really show like hey we see that this competitive scene is important we we realize how important just as a marketing tool the pro scene is we're gonna get behind it and it's like they took that two steps forward and then take the three steps right back because it's like you know what on second thought we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot and just like cause this whole uproar and you know to to go even further off of your you know the the situation is because of what panda global has done in this sense panda global has lost a lot of employees over the last 48 hours to to 72 hours i have seen a number of people on my my twitter feeds of some panda global people that i follow and then of course uh people that i follow that followed panda global uh people saying like I put in my resignation and my last day is uh, at the end of the month. I put in my resignation and my last day is in a couple of weeks. Like there has been – I know off the top of my head at minimum five people that I have seen resign now uh, from Panda Global over this situation. And I'm sure there has been some more off of it. Like this is not good for everyone involved. And exactly as you said, you know, like I, I personally try – tried in a sense to give nintendo the benefit of the doubt because as you said in their official statement they're like look we didn't give them a license but we didn't tell them to cancel their event but it just as we had talked about right here in this you know and i made the joke about it it's like yeah you didn't you didn't make them cancel but you you open the door and leave basically the the wrinkle of like well you can still have your event but we may sue you and it's that looming threat of like I could get sued for just having my event that is going to lead them to cancel. Like I get that Nintendo is trying to like play the good person here being like, look, we didn't do it. They're the ones who canceled it. Like we would never tell them to cancel it. It's like, yeah, but when you sit there with like a sword in your hand going like I'm not going to chop you with this sword if you come take a step to me. It's the sword that is still the looming threat that goes, I am not taking a step towards you. I am going to turn around and run. And so it's just, 
it's just mind-boggling that this situation continues to happen in 2022 and about to head into 2023. And I wonder personally, because again, I left the event business, so I don't know all of the insides of all the Smash tournaments that I used to, you know, help with and and work for in those senses. Like, what does that mean now for those events too? To see this so publicly happen, that what is the impact that's going to be felt now in those events and those tournaments? Because like those events, technically speaking, were allowed to happen and allowed to go on without Nintendo's interference, but Nintendo would not put their own backing to their events like they were basically ran events that nintendo knew about but nintendo was like we're not going to tell you you can't do it and we're also not going to support you with doing it you just do it but now because this is so public what is that going to mean for those events that were running in essentially in an unofficial capacity in in 2023 and i don't know that answer And obviously, I'm more like saying it rhetorically, right? Like there is no definitive answer, but it it makes me more curious now in that aspect. And how much does this this so public issue cause a wrinkle for them as well? Mm -hmm. It's just it's just crazy, honestly. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite a mess. And uh, I I assume local tournaments are still good. But yeah, if you want to do anything, uh, you want to get into like a more major scene uh, competitively for smash i assume it has to be through panda global or you know just not do it be a streamer or whatever it, it just baffles me uh the biggest thing one of the biggest things that helped uh magic the gathering as a card game rise was their competitive scene because uh promoting imaginary characters only helps so much when you can connect with like people that come uh people that compete like that inspires you to want to compete too and especially with a lot of this stuff that like uh like magic the gathering for one it's like oh i see this person that i really like play this deck i want to play that deck too so i'm gonna get the cards uh, the same thing with Ma- uh, with uh, smash it's like oh i see this guy this uh player that i really like playing this character uh like richter belmont or whatever or, you know Fal- captain falcon or mario and it's like i'm gonna learn everything that i'm gonna follow them and i'm gonna learn everything that they do and i'm gonna do all that stuff and that 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 can hook people to get deeper into the scene more than and in the specific games more than just you know oh hey here's this game here's a new edition of it with more characters so yeah and, Whatever, and bef- before i move on i just want to say one thing to kind of go off of it let's just you meant, made mention of it to start the episode but let's be truthful like look at look at the nfl the nfl of course is a business right but for the game of football the nfl is so instrumental in people getting excited to play football because football is a fun game right it's it's really fun but the reason that you see it televised and the reason that you see people get into it is because it is also a great marketing tool to feed the next people to go play into the nfl and that's the same thing with smash you don't even have to be a hyper competitive person but sometimes to see smash bros played at the highest level and the crazy things that get pulled off you're like man i want to see if i can do that and so you go pick up the game and try it out right (laughs) like smash Mm -hmm. has the you know the the great marketing tool of like here's all these famous you know characters from all these famous ips in one game so like that helps but again seeing some of the the crazy things that go off you're like yo let me try my hand at that and uh so Mm -hmm. yeah i just nintendo get your shit together man (laughs) yeah get your shit together nintendo for god's sakes speaking of nintendo and needing to get their shit together let's talk about pokemon (laughs) we're gonna talk about their performance issues we're going to jordan midler here uh for video games chronicle and it is nintendo apologizes for pokemon scarlet and violet performance and pledges in improvements the game has faced online backlash due to poor performance since launch now nintendo has apologized for those poor performance issues for the hit selling pokemon scarlet and violent and has pledged to make improvements to the game on Wednesday, the company detailed the next update coming to the games and said it would, was taking player feedback seriously. The version 1.1.0 update will la- release later on Thursday, uh, which of course has already released at this point, and bring with it the first season of Ranked Battles, one of the game's competitive modes. It will also fix an issue where certain music tracks weren't playing correctly during specific battles, according to Nintendo. And in a message from the platform holder, it apologized for the performance issues that players have encountered 
saying that it will, quote, take the feedback from players seriously and is working on improvements to the games. It said, quote, we are aware the players may encounter issues that affect the game's performance. Our goal is to always give players a positive experience with our games, and we apologize for the inconvenience. We take the feedback from players seriously and are working on improvements to the games. The full patch notes, of course, are here on the article, but even with the performance issues, Scarlet and Violent have seen huge hits for their creators. Shortly after the release last month, Nintendo announced they'd reached the highest global sales level for any software on any Nintendo platform within the first three days, with 10 million units sold in its first 72 hours. So, Pete, what is your thoughts on their statements and, of course, the sales number hits? It's a lot, man. That's a lot of games to sell in three days, man. That's, uh, I mean, play, like I said, like I said when we start when we uh, started uh, during what we what we've been playing, uh, it's really easy to see. Um, uh, just playing it and even playing it for only a couple hours, uh, those first couple hours, it's just like man, the connection you have with the the game and the stuff like that. Uh, it's really just it, it it's just. It feels so good uh, to me anyway, like in terms of like the storyline, the characters, all the new Pokemon, just going around and being able to see uh, the Pokemon, even the minor, even like the obvious details, like the water Pokemon tend to be near bodies of water. Uh, you know, if you want to catch a flying Pokemon, a lot of them are going to be flying through the air. You know, you're going to have to like look up and find them and stuff like that. Uh, the bug Pokemon hanging from trees, stuff like that. There's this like you know, the trainers. Um uh, just it's it's obvious why it's super popular and why people were super hyped to see a thing that was on their newest platform uh, for the like a full uh, a full uh, original uh, new title on there. Um, the performance issues I have noticed a few of them. Some of them I think have been more like for me personally. Like I'm further away. Maybe this is because I'm solely I'm solely playing on uh, as the handheld. I haven't really like connected it to the TV yet. I just played it. Uh, as a mobile game, basically, uh, like I'll notice like the characters moving at like ten or fifteen frames per second. But usually, it's like when I'm they're kind of like further away from me, so I always kind of assumed it was more like to help the game produce more, um, or to uh, perform better. Um, because when I got closer to them, they did actually start moving at a normal pace. So, uh, I did see the some of the stuff like in the school where the kids like yeah, some of the kids are like moving normally, and then some of the kids are like. <laughs> <laughs> man, having so much fun <laughs> and that was stuff like that and that's a little odd but um in general it hasn't been too jarring uh i i do hope uh the uh, i do hope uh, especially just after how nintendo uh, treats its uh competitive scene uh with the uh, smash that they compete their employees all right and this wasn't just a huge super crunch for like a month or whatever, a couple of weeks that they were just really trying to get everything back on track. So I hope that, uh, you know, the people were compensated fairly and were also treated properly and not just, like, locked in a room for, like, 12 to 15 hours trying to get this stuff resolved. Um, but other than that, you know, I mean, as much flack as we just gave Nintendo, um, you know, kudos to making a kick-ass game. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like for me, I I put this in here just because the performance issues has been uh, such a a discussion point on socials. But at the end of the day, like, no, duh, they're going to fix like try to fix it. You know, they're not going to just like they don't get me wrong. Sales wise, they don't have to. Ten million copies in three days is astronomical. Uh, And especially I like find it fascinating that it is. You know, as they put it here, and I'm trying to find the spot, but like it is the highest global sales level for any software on any Nintendo platform within three days. And that is insane when you think of all the IPs uh, that have came out over the years for Nintendo, the various platforms that have came out. I mean, the Nintendo DS, like, and how well that sold. Just like it's it's really crazy just how well it sold so very quickly. Um, but again, no duh, they're going to try to 
improve it because there are still much more than 10 million Nintendo Switches out there. And some of those people who haven't picked up the game likely haven't picked up the game because of the performance issues. So they're like, well, if we fix it, we can get more sales and that's what we want. So like I, you know, I'm not surprised by it. Uh, I'm right there with Uh you. I think like for the draw distance aspect is what you're, you know, you're, you're talking about. Yeah. It's the, the player, the characters in the background are walking a lot slower or at less frames per second than like when they get closer to you and i think that's for conserving performance issues the classroom scene is the one that still that does bother (laughs) me in a sense because it's like why didn't you just make every student like the same and they didn't even have to move they could just sit there right but like having them do this whole like their hands flopping and they're like going back and forth but they're going at like the much slower uh, fps that everyone else in the room is is so like noticeable (laughs) it's like why did you make that decision uh but i do want to say one thing that i've seen on social that i want to like for me personally i want to kind of like nip in the bud is that like the fact of seeing so many people saying like look Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is a fantastic game and looks amazing. And so, you know, when some people say, well, like, well, it's a Nintendo Switch issue, not Pokemon. No, it's not. Because Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is made on the same Nintendo Switch and performs much better than Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And then on the flip side, people have said, well, this shows the incompetence of Game Freak. And I disagree with that, too. I think what it just shows for especially this year is that... Game Freak was given too much on their plate to handle all at once. Because if you think about it, in a one-year span, they released the remakes for Pearl and Diamond. They released Pokemon Arceus. And then they've now released also uh, Scarlet and Violet. That's a lot of games to release in a one-year span. And I know Game Freak is a larger studio. So it's like, in a sense, they're a larger studio. So they probably have multiple game development divisions within their company. But I still think that's a lot to to all spin out. And so that's going to lead to crunch issues and all that jazz. And so I feel like this is just a similar thing of like, this is a, a parent company asking too much of their studio to push out which has led to cutting corners and the performance issues what you see are some of those corners being cut so i hope that nintendo reevaluates and goes look let's give the game a little more time to breathe now you're not going to in a sense because nintendo's like hey money (laughs) you know but i hope that they like maybe they don't give them three games well, in a sense, five if you count the you know the split versions, but that's technically one game and mm-hmm. uh, you know split into two. But like you know, don't give them three games to release in one year span. Like give them some more time to to yeah. to get that game in the oven for a little bit longer, because then you don't have the issues like you have in our chat from KG Disc Golf saying he waited because of the uh, performance issue, or Cobalt Hawk, uh, Cobalt Hawk, excuse me, uh, and Cobalt. Thank you for being here as well. But he said the tech issue is what uh, determined for him from waiting to get the the game uh so like you know it's one of those things those performance issues are a, a, a factor and i'm sure when they get fixed and i'm sure that when it gets shown that they're getting fixed that kg disc golf and cobalt will go hmm maybe now is the time to finally pick it up and of course at that time it may be uh you know on sale which also helps with that determining factor so you know give play give the your devs time to make things happen well let's go to our next article because we are getting short on time and we're going to video games chronicle again for this one this written by andy robinson and this is also something that came out right as we were recording our episode last week and it is microsoft is reportedly ready to fight in court if ftc attempts to block its activision deal now microsoft is prepared to fight in court to ensure its 69 billion acquisition of activision blizzard goes through should the u.s federal trade commission attempt to block the deal now that's according to a new report by bloomberg which cite a person familiar with the matter this decision or this issue like i said came out on wednesday last week 
The claim follows that recent publication of a political report which alleges that the FTC was likely to file an antitrust lawsuit to block Microsoft's proposed takeover of the Call of Duty parent. An an antitrust lawsuit would mean that Microsoft would have to fight to push forward its uh, acquisition of the Call of Duty maker in U.S. courts. And according to Bloomberg's source, in the event that FTC does file a lawsuit, Microsoft is gearing up to contest the decision. Uh, Basically, the COO has said the company will not hesitate to fight to make make sure that the Microsoft is successful in acquiring the company. Uh, And it is also claimed that the Xbox maker is yet to have conversations with the FTC about the potential concessions aimed at getting the deal approved, such as committing to releasing Call of Duty on other platforms for a certain amount of time. However, it has been said that for the European commissions, Call of Duty uh, or Microsoft has said that they would guarantee PlayStation would get Call of Duty for at least 10 years in order to get the deal approved. So, Pete, what is your thoughts on this whole decision that Microsoft says? Sure, take us to court. We're ready to fight it. Well, it costs them $3 billion if the deal doesn't go through. So, yeah, they're going to fight it. I mean, $3 billion is a lot of money, even for a company as as, uh, rich in, uh, uh, you know, assets as uh, Microsoft is. $3 billion is $3 billion. So, if it's going to cost them $3 billion anyway, you may as well throw $3 billion to fight it uh, legally. Um, uh, Antitrust analyst in the article, Jennifer Rie, Rye, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, I'm sorry. Uh, Jennifer uh, said a court fight would be hard for the FTC to win. Not surprising there either, I don't think, because uh, a lot of our uh, stuff is like, well, uh, as long as it's not like a true monopoly, kind of just lets kind of corporations do whatever the hell they want. So even if the even if it's a thing that shouldn't be a, a problem or should be a problem, they a lot of times just kind of let it go until it becomes an actual thing. Um, uh, the the one thing that I kind of like am really starting to get a little irritated by is the uh, the, the the insinuation that Call of Duty is the reason why that there might be a, a problem with this because yes, Call of Duty is a big IP. That's not the only big IP that you have, and it's not the only thing that's the problem here. You're also you're going from not only having a developer, you're also having a major major big ass publisher under your under your banner. That's 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 the thing here. Call of Duty is like a, a secondary thing it's a thing but it's not the thing here stop making it like oh you're just not letting us because you're worried about call of duty that's like one one thing here like so i'm really starting to get a little a little irritated that keeps popping up all the time because it kind of like feels like it's a distraction tactic um by either uh microsoft and activision blizzard or by placed uh, sony i don't know um but it seems a little odd that it keeps getting brought up all the time for this stuff because it's not the only issue here. Uh, it's funny to me that the Activision Blizzard COO is the one that said uh, the company won't hesitate to fight. Uh, the Activision Blizzard COO Lulu Cheng Maservi um, took to Twitter to address the speculation, um, uh, basically claiming that uh, any transa- any suggestion that the transaction would have anti-competitive effects is absurd. That's not absurd. <laughs> um, but uh, it's also funny to me that there is like, uh, they're the ones saying that we fight because like Activision Blizzard is probably not going to be the one that's footing the bill for this. It's going to have to be Microsoft because they're the one. <laughs> so so they're like, yeah, yeah, of course we'll fight. Yeah, hold me back. Hold me back. It has a lot of that vibe going on from the COO of the um, of Activision Blizzard, the company that's trying to get acquired. It's like, oh, you just want to get a payday so you can retire and leave and not have to worry about any of this stuff anymore. So yeah, no kidding. You're going to be the one okay with doing it. Microsoft also is obviously going to go for it because like I said, it costs them $3 billion if they don't have the sale complete. So, but uh, yeah, Activision Blizzard, even though they still get $3 billion, would like to just have this problem go away, have it off their plate. So not surprising that uh, they're also in on it. So I want to say first off, like, let's just be let's be honest, like, of course, they're going to fight it because at the same time, would it how bad would it look if Microsoft's like, oh, you're going to file a less lawsuit. All right. I guess we'll just walk away from this deal. Yeah, it's going to look it would look terrible. So, of course, they're going to fight it. And also, uh, as KG Disc Golf has said in the chat, of course, it comes up because Call of Duty is PS high, PlayStation's highest purchased game or one of them. If I remember correctly, it is their highest purchased game because Call of Duty, of course, makes a lot of money, but I agree with you, Pete, because the problem, though, that this is causing, and I get it uh, that as, like, you know, journalists, they're just reporting, essentially, kind of the discussion points that are going on, but it has led to a widespread confusion uh, or widespread consensus, I should say, online that... 
PlayStation is trying to block this solely for Call of Duty. And that is not the case because technically speaking, one of their mascots, Crash Bandicoot, is part of the Activision deal. Like, so that's one of the, you know, the mascots of the PlayStation, you know, banner for a long time is also at risk in this deal in a sense. Now, Call of Duty, of course, makes way more money. And so Call of Duty will likely be the focal point, which is part of why most of these articles are doing these discussions. But if for some reason, like, you know, Winston's this goes through, if Crash Bandicoot is now made an Xbox exclusive, that does, in a sense, hurt PlayStation's brand awareness because a lot of people, while the last, you know, Crash Bandicoot remake as well as Crash Bandicoot 4 was multi-platformed, a lot of people still see Crash Bandicoot and they think PlayStation. And so that's one of those things of brand awareness is more, is also at stake in this, this kind of competition or this discussion, I should say, not competition. You know, at the end of the day, like, uh, you know, the the antitrust analyst, uh, Jennifer Rye, said, you know, likely this is still going to go through because the FTC is going to have a hard time winning it. And that is true. I think I have yet to see in an antitrust uh, court proceeding, at least in my lifetime, them actually successfully win. It's usually a delay tactic or it is to get it to a point of that more concrete information is written down on a piece of paper uh, than just what is being discussed right now, which is these open things of like Microsoft saying, we'll give you 10 years of Call of Duty. At the end of the day, similar to what you said in the Nintendo article, I can say whatever I want, but until there's words on a piece of paper and there's two signatures on that piece of paper, none of what I say is held in stone. And that's, I think, what is part of the problem right now is that Microsoft says that they're willing to do these things, but they have not actually written something out proposal-wise for Sony to sign or for anyone else to sign. And I think that is what's causing some of these problems. And so, you know, one of those things of once that goes through, I think things will be a lot easier to uh, swallow. But again, there are more things at play than just Call of Duty. And that's part of the issue um, that's I think is going to continue to go on for, of course, what seems to be quite some time because this is not going away anytime soon. Um, let's get to one last article, or I should say we might be able to get through two of them real quick. Uh, we're going to go to Game Informer for this article, and we're talking about Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter Rise is going to come to PlayStation and Xbox next month. It goes as follows. Monster Hunter Rise is embarking on a new hunt on PlayStation and Xbox consoles in January, and its recent expansion, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, will follow suit sometime in spring. The latest entry in the uber-popular series comes to PlayStation 5, Xbox series ps4 and xbox one on january 20th and it will be coming to xbox game pass for console pc and cloud at launch the current gen version specifically will boast 4k resolution 60 fps gameplay and 3d audio among other customizable options also the ps5 ports will support dual sense haptic feedback for range and shielded weapons and the game is going to be priced at 39.99 across all platforms pete are you excited about monster hunter rise finally coming to the more uh I guess bulky and performance uh, handling consoles. Uh, no, not at all. Not the slightest. I'm not a Monster <laughs> Hunter fan. Never really cared about Monster Hunter. To me, Monster, uh, Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter is a game that's great when you're playing with friends, and it's basically uh, uh, MMORPG when you take out all of the like end game content. It is just grinding and grinding and grinding, and I have no interest to play it. I'm happy for the fans. I'm happy for that. Uh, if it is uh, if it is uh, seemingly going to be on Game Pass, maybe I'll give it a try because I don't want to pay it. But it's certainly not a game I'm going to go out of my way to find. But I hope it's great for its fans and the people that enjoy that series because I know there's a lot of hardcore fans for it. So my biggest issue, which is right now at this point, is down here uh, in the corner, is what Cobalt just said, which is already picked up rides on Switch and PC and with no cross-play saves, so no interest in picking it up again. And that's my biggest problem with it. So I I know when they released it on PC, they made mention of it, that basically how the system is set up right now, there's just no way to incorporate cross-play or cross-saves. And that made sense from Switch to PC because of the performance differences. And the fact that it's continuing, in a sense, for PlayStation and Xbox, that's my biggest problem because it's releasing so 
much later than it was on Switch and on PC's release. Like we're looking at basically almost, you know, like nine months from when it released on PC, if I remember correctly, maybe even longer than that. And it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I get that for those that maybe don't have a Switch or don't have a PC, this is great. They can pick it up. But like you would think that when switches exclusivity dropped and it went to pc they would already have been ready to release it on console so i don't know why it took so long and i just don't get that aspect it almost seems better to just wait until the next monster hunter release if that is the case um so i don't get me wrong Will I probably play it? Maybe because Game Pass aspect, I'll probably jump on it, and that's that's the kind of the cool part for me. Uh, but you know, I have it for Switch, and I don't know if I really want to go replay it. Uh, I'd rather play it on PC. Um, and like I said, the Monster Hunter uh, Game Pass is going to be um, for console, PC, and cloud. Uh, so there's that PC aspect for me to go back and play it, but I just I just don't know. Uh, it's the the no cross saves is the the uh, biggest contention for me, and no cross play I should say is the biggest contention for me. Um, it's just, big contention for me too. Uh, sorry, really quick because uh, I said one of the reasons to play the game is with friends, so you can't even cross play. That's kind of messed up. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree with it. So uh, the last thing I just want to make mention of uh, was the final article, and that's just Summer Game Fest is officially returning next year. It's going to be held on June 8th, and tickets to attend Summer Game Fest 2023 will be available uh, to purchase in early 2023. Of course, there will be the kickoff show, which is the one that I was talking about on June uh, June 8th, and it will be held in Los Angeles. Uh, Pete, are you excited for Summer Game Fest returning? uh it being live is a point a point that's interesting uh, i hope it's better than the last one the last one was as we discussed was kind of mediocre there are parts of it that were great there are parts of it that were very cool uh, but uh the the main summer game fest proper events were kind of mostly uh kind of uh boring it was more like the side events that were just kind of like super interesting so hopefully they're more organized now they are going to be live uh it sounds like so uh, they're going to have a live audience. So hopefully, you know, it, it goes well and it comes around a little better than it did the last time. As Pete mentioned, you can go listen to our discussion of the past Summer Game Fest right here on YouTube.com slash Press Start 28, where we talked about our reaction to it, and we did an episode kind of doing what we would have done to make it better. And uh, I really hope the biggest thing that they took away, if they listened to our episode, is be the first one if you're the kickoff show. If you're the kickoff show, be the first one, yeah. not the third. <laughs> you know, that was the yeah, biggest problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, also to make mention real quickly, because it is a Jeff Keighley event in Summer Game Fest, uh, the uh, the Game Awards is coming up on December 8th. And currently I am planning to co-stream that event. So if you want to come join in on the discussions and how things are going, come right over here to YouTube.com slash Press Start 28, where I will be reacting to that uh, Game Awards. If I end up not doing it, then I hope you just enjoy the Game Awards. But that's coming up on December 8th. Maybe you want to buy some games this week well i'm going to tell you all about those games that are coming out and we're starting with friday this past friday because of course that's normally when we record and it's marvel's midnight suns for ps5 xbox series and pc need for speed unbound for ps5 xbox series and pc resident evil village winter's expansion for switch the callisto protocol for ps5 xbox series ps4 xbox one and pc on tuesday december 6th we have divine knockout for ps5 xbox series ps4 xbox one and pc that is coming to ps plus by the way hello Neighbor 2 for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Sky Children of the Light for PS5 and PS4. On Wednesday, December 7th, you have Ixion for PC. On Thursday, December 8th, you have Chained Echoes for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. That's coming to Game Pass. Crossfire Legion for PC. Samurai Maiden for PS4, PS5, Switch, and PC. The Rumblefish 2 for PS4, Xbox Series, PS5, excuse me, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Witch of the Holy Knight for PS4 and Switch. Uh, and then Friday, Friday, December 9th, you have Choo Choo Charles for PC, Dragon Quest Treasure Treasures for Switch, Jitsu Squad for PS5, PS4, and Switch, and then Adventure Academia, The Fractured Continent for PS4 and Switch. Pete, any of these catching your attention? Quite a few big names. Uh, most of them, a lot of them came out this past Friday. Uh, the three I'm going to look at are not as big. Divine, I don't think, uh, anyway. Divine Knockout, uh, especially since it's coming to PS Plus. That actually looked kind of dope. It was uh, kind of like a 
a third person uh uh version of like uh super smash brothers the way it looked like it was playing out so i'm interested to see what that one looks like if it's going to be on ps plus maybe i'll try to pick it up uh chained echoes is going to be on game pass that one looks like it could be a real a real blast so i'm really hoping that one's pretty good kind of like a throwback to the jrpg eras of old and then uh, Jitsu Squad also looked kind of interesting. I was kind of interested in that game's vibe. I was digging what, it, uh, what it was going on there during the trailer. So those are the three I'm looking at, along with some of the other big names. I will fully admit, I don't remember looking up Jitsu Squad, so I don't remember what it looks like. I'll look it up after the show to see if I'm down for it. Um, besides the games on Friday that we talked about last week, I'm going to make mention. So Chained Echoes, as you said, is the one I'm looking forward to. I have talked about this before I made, I played the demo as part of the Steam Next Fest, uh, and I really enjoyed what I played of that demo. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, the Rumblefish 2, I really, really want to get. I actually... Have uh, the developers asked me to do a review of the game, but I have too many games, so I had to decline it, uh, which was very hard because, I, again, I really wanted to get this game. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to that one as well. Um, Dragon Quest Treasures, uh, obviously, the Dragon Quest aspect, I've, I've made mention before, the game kind of looked cool when it got announced, so I'm looking at that one. Uh, but the last one, and I'm not going to play this like right away, but it just what I had seen actually was interesting, is Samurai Maiden. I thought Samurai Maiden looked like a fun combat uh, aspect in the way that I've read about the story uh, or that these at least the the background of the game it seems kind of cool so uh, I'll keep my eye on that but of course uh, not picking that up right away uh, last thing we want to make mention real quick here in the chat uh, KG Disc Golf did talk about this it is just as a reminder if you play Rainbow Six Siege you need to go to your account and link it because cross saves is being implemented in that one at the very minimum not in monster hunter rise so you need to go do that one and the last thing i want to also say for that is cobalt hawk talking about monster hunter rise he feels that the decision to bring monster hunter rise to the consoles is more on a greed factor from capcom because a lot of people that picked up the game on switch went ahead and picked the game back up on pc and they believe that that will happen again and i completely agree i think that is the case i just find it very uh crazy that they would just think that at this far along that they want to release monster hunter rise on console when they again could be way way better suited just preparing for like monster hunter world 2 or something of that nature but pete that is our episode here for the one more game podcast is there anything you want to leave our listeners with before we send them off into the work week this time uh have a good week uh don't work too hard uh don't let uh your bosses uh push you around too much uh, i know they pay you get paid to kind of take uh, some of that but you know uh get, get used to a little me time have a little me time every once in a while uh i'm not great at it but you know i hope y'all uh, are at least halfway decent and work on it yeah you guys have a little bit of pete time you do a little bit of pete time and then you're gonna be all good throughout the week obviously i'm taking you mean- a different uh, i can be Obviously, I know you meant me as in like the person time, but I love that you said take a little me time. I'm like, all right, we'll take a little. Uh, I, I, didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about that. I guess my <laughs> my mind's further in the gutter than yours went. Wow. All right. Well, that shows the true yeah. colors here of our co-host uh, on the podcast. But everybody, that has been the One More Game podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the One More Game podcast. I've been one of your co-hosts, Jeremy Culver, aka Darcy. This has been the California Thirst Quencher Pete Legia, and we really enjoy bringing this to you so as always everybody stay hydrated stay healthy stay safe and keep on gaming we'll see you guys on the next episode